When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit RightRug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, welcome to another edition of Nerdificent. I am one half of your host, Danny Fernandez. Sitting across from me virtually still is... If you want anyway, how's everybody doing there in your homes? Hopefully six feet away from folks, mask on, the opposite of the future song. If he, I, I recently got tested and was negative. Um, and that just goes, even though I've been out protesting and whatnot the last couple of weeks, would like to say, again, the importance of wearing a mask. Yeah. A lot of people are taking these masks off and it's crazy. And I just want to say, like, I still have been testing negative. I've been really careful. Um, I know sometimes it's not always someone's fault, but a lot of people are acting. When we were protesting, there were people at brunch not even kidding. We walked by people at brunch in WeHo and I was just with their masks off, enjoying their eggs Benedict. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, it was it was wild too because um of when I went to the last protest, I I took a lift there because you know, I didn't want to drive and something pop off. I need to go and then I'm stuck with trying to get my car. So I was like, let me just lift and then, you know, I know these streets. Um but I I forgot like that all that all of that stuff is different now. So like the lift driver showed up and I was wearing my mask and then he was like, Oh, and he put his mask on I'm like, bro. Okay. First of all, but I'm glad I did. Cause we were uh, talking or whatever. And then he just starts coughing recklessly. I'm like, whoo, mm. glad you put your mask on. You were trying to have it off. You're trying to have this off. No, nah, drop my ass off. Um, also that means he was coughing in his car the whole time before you got in a lot of cough particles. That's why I had my mask on. Yeah. The cough, the people don't know these. And then you got the AC on, you know, cough particles everywhere. We're not talking about carf, cough particles right now. We're talking about cartoons more specifically. We're talking about <laughs> the Cartoon Network, baby. Talking about the Cartoon Network, baby. I can see our guests laughing at this transition. <laughs> with the smooth segues. I always got the smooth. We're not talking segues. about the coronavirus. We're talking yeah, about the cartoon, cartoon virus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The virus that is Cartoon Network, baby. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> 
yeah yeah that's what that's what we're talking about it's a good time but you know we 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 couldn't have be a conversation about cartridge now one of the one of our good friends who's a He's a triple OG holding it down all over the Cartoon Network. Someone would say he's taken over Cartoon Network every time. Someone would say he is Cartoon Network. Yeah, someone, yeah, Mr. Cartoon Network. Like, you know, uh, you know, like like Pitbull's Mr. 305 Live. This is Mr. Cartoon Network. <laughs> uh what how you doing, Jeff? Is is Jeff Tramel, baby. Thank you guys for having me mm-hmm. back. Uh, it's been a long time. I shouldn't yeah. have left you without some dope cartoons to step to. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, Mr. Cartoon Network Trammo, head writer of Craig of the Creek, sometimes voice actor on Craig Ooh. of the Creek. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm, thank you guys for having me. This is yeah, you all were just nominated too. Yeah. Yeah, we got nominated for uh, Outstanding Children's Animated Series at the Daytime Emmys, so that's super cool. Uh, are they having the like how does that work oh no i think it's gonna be like this on zoom (laughs) Uh, i would love it if if like somebody loses and they just like end their zoom (laughs) they just walk out out and just (laughs) their screen just goes to black yeah yeah, i don't need this anymore i want to know who my like if we get to go to the virtual emmys who my like box is going to be next to like do i get to sit next to like Steve Harvey or somebody at the oh, virtual would, Emmys or whatever. That would be I mean, that would be a nice box to be next to. <laughs> oh my gosh, I want to see because then it'll also be showing like people's homes. Yeah. I'm so nosy. I want to like see. You'd be surprised. Some people well, are like, yeah, yeah, messy or have um yeah, wildness showing totally, up. Yeah, all that wildness and all that. Like I totally see that. Like when they do SNL from home, you're like, oh, you could definitely tell who's been on SNL. Uh how long? <laughs> some of them, some of them vets, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of space. Hold on. Get here. Also, some people just like it's so funny because you can see I have a bunch of art behind me and stuff. Mm-hmm. We all do actually I can see in our places, but like the people that just have a blank wall. <laughs> yeah. That cracks me up too. It's just like this massively like plain. I'm like, wow, really artistic. Yeah, I don't, I don't need nothing. I don't need nothing. Yeah, you see the big old light. See my ice cream dog right there. That's I always try and get that in frame. We've been doing Zoom calls for Super Punch on uh, TBS, another Ted Turner venture. Uh, and they'll, you know, I'll Zoom call in, and I've, I've just been putting different things in the background and i have this giant elizabeth plush from gintama and it was just sitting back there the whole <laughs> the whole episode i'm like well you know they didn't tell me to move it so i'm gonna put it back there so i'm gonna see how much wild stuff i can just fit behind me without them calling it out <laughs> um jeff we normally start our episodes with what we're geeking out about do you have anything or um, artists or creators or shows or movies or books or anything that you're kind of geeking out about right now? Okay, let's see. Uh been geeking out a lot about Static Shock, one of my Ooh. favorite shows. I've been rewatching it. I talked about it on a podcast lately. Uh, I keep messaging Matthew Cherry about it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you His know. inbox is full. Yeah, it's just me being like, hey, can we do static? Can we do static? And he's like, I don't even own that. Why are you messaging me? He and I <laughs> were like talking about my pilot originally when I first sold it. And then when his Oscar happened, it suddenly was like, nope, his inbox is full. It's <laughs> like doing other things with bigger people. <laughs> it's cool because he's a Craig fan, which is kind of nuts. So he's messaged me about Craig, which is really cool. 
But um, yeah, so I'm geeking out about Static always, forever. I'm geeking out about uh, Spy Family. It's a manga I'm reading that's super, super good. I highly recommend to anyone who likes manga. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. But did you say Spy Family? Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to pick that one up. It's yeah. good. You should check Ooh, it okay. out. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. Just okay. I think you'll like it. Ooh. Well, uh, on that static shock, I have a whole I, I should send it to you so you can see what, what I was thinking. But I had a whole treatment I sent because I met with this production company that did all of the like at the time, the, like DC like on these you know how they have their like platform and mm-hmm. i sent like this static treatment but i it, like and it was one thing that like i was like you have to meet with me if you if you do it because there's one like uh change i made and i was like i know i know what i'm talking about because in the you know in the show his um his father you know was alive and his mom passed and she was like a paramedic and then Mm -hmm. his father was a cop and then i wanted to flip it where his mom is alive and then the father's a cop and then play with you know police brutality that way instead of having like this cop on the show that's like you know i'm one of the good ones uh son so you know it was was trying to trying to get dark and just so dc could be like no (laughs) (laughs) like we like all all this except this um but yeah, that's tight. Uh, me, you know, I'm geeking out about you, you know, keeping keeping the theme straight. Uh, Spider Man Miles, uh, uh, you know that 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 was a super dope reveal. Uh, and what a roller coaster! Because Sony opened their mouth and said that it was just a DLC, mm-hmm. and and Insomniac right. had to be like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, no, don't let no, no. <laughs> they had to try, they had to stop that train because people were getting ready to light they they were gonna light them up. They're gonna light them up and they had to be like, hold up, nope, that is not true. It is a full game. It is a full so I'm super I'm super excited. Also, because you know, by the looks on it, it's an older miles, and I don't think we really got to see much older miles, like all yeah. the miles have been yeah. in high school. So I did I I'm that's that's the fun I am because there is like a fun in seeing teen teen peter parker and then adult peter parker so i'm so excited to see what adult miles is and i pray 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 they have black people on the writing team of adult uh miles (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) jeff you're up i want to i'm gonna use this as a sidebar for um for video game writing because there's something that's been scratching at the back of my head since uh since i've played it but um life is strange too uh life is strange is really good uh you know narrative video game series and life is strange 2 follows um a a half mexican half white um uh, kid whose dad is killed by the cops and they're on the well no his dad is killed by a cop and his son like uh kills him and like like accidentally kills the cop uh, trying to protect his dad and they go on the run and the whole game the way life is strange works is you make a series of decisions and like you get different um you get different uh uh endings based on how many quote-unquote good or bad decisions you make how many aggressive or passive ones you make and the you know i went through it totally a hundred percent in with my own emotions with my own views on racism and in the end still like had good relationship stuff throughout but in the end i got the quote-unquote bad ending in the sense that because i 
was I wasn't passive whenever there was a racist situation. Like if someone was racist, they got clapped. Like like just simple as that. Like it like and 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 it, and it wasn't even like I was just just cavalierly killing people. But if they were being racist and putting my life at risk because of it, I defended. My, I chose the chance to defend myself and not do that. And in the end, you get the um the ending where like you go to Mexico, you make it because your whole the whole game you're trying to you're coming from Seattle trying to go to Mexico because you know you have family down there. And in the end, if you do it that way, you make it to Mexico, but you're like these crime brothers who like have have like are like the boss and you're like the the head of of, of the, the crime thing. And then like the one hundred percent I watched all the endings and the good ending is that the brother has the older brother ends up, you know, going to prison for that, for that crime of accidentally killing the cop coming out years later. And then the brother goes on a camping trip. He has like PTSD from being in prison and all the experiences they have. And then they, then the, him and his little brother go separate ways. So technically the bad ending is the only ending where the brothers are together, but that's like the one that's the, the, you know, marketed quote unquote bad ending. And I was like, this is how, you know, it was written by white people because mm-hmm. the only good option is turning yourself in like you you it just shows you how you view the police completely differently for you to think oh that's the only way out is because the 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 major final choice you make at the end this is spoilers if you haven't played so uh go ahead is you're at the border and there's this like social worker who's been working with you who's like this is your last chance you got to stop and you choose to either ram through or you you get out the car and turn yourself in and there and it's really cool because that it's not just two choices if you were aggressive in all your choices and i learned this and i'm glad i didn't pick and you chose to turn yourself in based on my aggressive choices he would have ran through and the older brother would have died and then it would have been an ending where he kind of is in mexico by himself holding it down uh so like your your choices your actions also you know depend on how the outcome comes but it still was like this is whack like like i was like you made so many good points about how like they were making really good points about you i think it was such a good game for people to uh like you really can't do it but you you know kind of give a short feeling of how racism feels and how it affects how you talk with people and then in the end they just drop the ball like that where it's like but you still should turn your cop yourself into the cops also sorry for taking the whole segment to have this combo (laughs) don't worry i'm not geeking out about anything (laughs) (laughs) um the thing that i'll just like give a shout out actually to my friend amanda dybert who she just wrote um her first ever 140 page graphic novel which is for dc superhero girls it's called weird science just like on our nerdy dc which we which Mm y'all kind of were mentioning um yeah so y'all can pick that up for people of all ages but definitely you know get it to the younger crowd so they can they can be a part of stem with our superhero girls yeah well yeah thank you and sorry for blowing it's something that's really been on my mind i think i'm just going to do a thread where i actually just fully go into it but you should yeah i I mean there's so many times when you even on this podcast have had the discussion of times when we can tell that there were no writers of color writers specifically from that culture Mm -hmm. um because we just wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. you know even different cultures are are separate and so it's just like you can tell and what i was going to say is when you said i hope that there's writers on the game i hope there's animators animate Mm -hmm. like you know black 
and POC animators are so limit, like they're just not, they're there and they're not given the opportunities in the same way. I think even in the studios that I've been involved with, it seems like you have to prove yourself. I mean, this is, we say this all the time, but literally stories of people who were like lead storyboard artists for huge movies not being allowed to direct like that's Mm -hmm. typically the next step like just being Mm -hmm. told that they didn't pay their dues even though they've been there for a decade it's something all of us i think could vent about forever but it's insane the hoops and obstacles even to be an animator um on these properties so again you'll see uh, a black or brown um character but then you look at the animators and they're all white so yeah it's it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say about it is you can tell uh, just how much diversity is needed when you um, <clears throat> see when you hop into um, when you when you hop into a create a character and you and you stuck with, uh, you know, cornrows or afro. Mm. Yeah. You know, no fades, afro looks no, terrible. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's always like, you know, straight up ludicrous and too fast, too furious. Lovers, <laughs> Like, I wanted like, to say not all Latinas have huge boobs either. This is every video game. Some of us are just a B plus and that's okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Rude. Some on. of us have, have thickness in other areas, which are thighs and our booty and not just up top. Some of us can have both, but not all of us. Okay. Representation yeah. matters. Yeah. So um, Ted Turner, which if you were referencing and I feel like is a really um popular famous name um is he actually got the his company from his dad uh who left him he unfortunately committed suicide and Mm. and ted was left like trying to take over this this company which was really fascinating because he ended up taking a lot of risks so ted actually sold off radio stations and bought a tv station he bought wjrj in atlanta which eventually became wtbs which had old movies sports and cartoons so ted ended up launching cnn and it was a 24-hour news channel and that was wild to people at the time people were like why would we need to watch the news 24 7 but that formula for cnn ended up lending itself to Cartoon Network, which became a 24-hour cartoon channel. So when Ted bought MGM, I mean, he was just taking over. He got all of their cartoons. And then when he bought all the WB movies, he got all the cartoons from Warner Brothers. So that was like Bugs Bunny, all of the Looney Tunes. So you can understand why he would need, those are hundreds of cartoons, right? Hundreds of titles. And so that's why he was like, I need my own channel that just airs all of this property that I have. So a little bit more of the backstory. In 1991, he purchased Hanna-Barbera and then that was it, right? It was Mm -hmm. that they have Scooby-Doo, they have Yogi Bear, they have the Flintstones, Jetsons. I mean, it's like all those old vintage cartoons. So this man was like the mastermind behind uh, and I watched a, I watched an interview with him where he said adults watch cartoons too, because that was not commonly thought of several decades ago. And he said more people watch cartoons at night than CNN. So hmm. that is something he realized and, and was like, I'm going to need a channel that fully shows all the properties that I bought, all this money I put in. Um, so that is the story of how Ted Turner started Cartoon Network. 
Wow. Wow. Thank you, Uncle Ted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Came through. He was like, we getting these tunes out. We getting these tunes out. So to get into Cartoon Network, the 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 banger bar that Danny totally missed when she was like the CN new oh what did I do network and then he was able to start a twenty four hour cartoon channel (laughs) cartoon network cartoon network (laughs) but that's because I was saving it for you iffy for you on October first nineteen ninety two which I know that you love finding out how long since you were born i, mean, I we, was we saving it get, for you we, yeah we don't have to get into that but that is four years after me and danny were born in october 1st 1992 uh the cartoon network launched the finale of tartakovsky's mm-hmm. uh launched the finale of tartakovsky's 1812 overture with the backdrop of cartoon explosions followed by a special event called droopy's guide to the cartoon network hosted by the mgm cartoon character droopy during which the first cartoon on the network rhapsody rabbit was shown uh, so that was that was real nice then the late night black and white showed early black and white cartoons, mostly from uh, the Flesher Studios and Walter Lance, like Woody the Woodpecker from the 1930s and Merry Melodies and, you know, the classics. And then Toonheads would show three shorts with a similar theme and provide trivia about the cartoons. There was also an afternoon cartoon blog called High Noon Tunes, which was hosted by Cowboy Hand Puppets, uh, an example of the like simplicity and imagination of the network in its early years and the majority of the classic animation was that uh, that would uh, the majority of the classic animation that was shown on cartoon network no longer airs on a regular basis but tom and jerry and looney tunes still aired and lasted until 2017 so uh, yeah it was running so it was running the classic tunes while they're developing some new heat yeah, so because Turner owned uh, so many other channels, they could promote Cartoon Network on the other channels. Remember, they were going against Nicktoons. So Nicktoons, yeah. which we did our episode on, was heavily realizing this formula of having kind of weird experimental, especially if you look at early Nicktoons, they really allowed mm-hmm. their creators to be weird and gross, which yeah. is something that kind of came back but went away for for about a decade. Um, so they were starting to, with a lot of the Cartoon Network commercials they would add this weird awkward like modern spin on the vintage cartoons Mm -hmm. and their first original show actually so not just the vintage cartoons their first original show was the moxie show but it wasn't really popular so what a lot of people consider their first big show april 15th 1994 space ghost coast to coast it was a talk show of the hanna-barbera superhero uh, it was one of their most original programming ideas and really made them stand out. Like that set the tone then for the rest of the channel. It was oh, kind of yeah. like, oh, there's something cool and funny and adult uh, over here. Um, but did y'all watch Space Ghost? Oh, yeah. I was, I was big in the Space Ghost. The Brack was really funny. Uh, the, just what they turned into. And just air, And it was, you know, I think my first introduction to like, you know, bits and knowing like when characters you know when when just the idea of like you know what each character is going to do how they're going to react and it it was just so funny this concept uh that they really kind of i feel like focused on the reality of of like what would it be like if this character was was uh you know was was making this late night show with his enemies and (laughs) and i it was just my favorite one 
Yeah, I watched a lot of Space Ghosts uh, a little bit later because um, I'm, I'm just slightly younger than you guys. Uh, I was four in 1994, so I wasn't allowed to watch Space Ghosts, mm-hmm. uh, despite my protests, no. But I, I do remember eventually watching Space Ghosts, and one of the things uh, that is really interesting about it is they would premiere other shows on there that would later become Cartoon Network shows. Yeah. The first time we see uh, the Powerpuff Girls is on Space Ghosts. Um, which is kind of crazy. And they had a different title that I don't think I can say on this program because it's not PG. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, like Space Ghost is also like such a weird show that really does change the kind of tone of Cartoon Network going forward because it's so, what if we took this old property and just made him a talk show host? It's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah. But also like so many people who worked on that would go on to work on other things on mm-hmm. CN that we're going to get into, I'm assuming. But, so I don't want to, like, spoil anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Aqua Teen Hunger Force fans and so on, this kind of all starts here. Yeah. Oh, so great. <laughs> I know. Um, speaking of getting into, we have to take a really quick break. And then we are going to hop down Nostalgia Lane. I'm so excited talking about those huge properties that... uh the cartoon cartoon time of Cartoon Network right after this. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. We're walking. I wanted to say something, Jeff. I also couldn't watch Space Ghost in 1994. <laughs> what the heck? Like that was like when Lion King came out. I was like barely mm-hmm. allowed to watch Lion King. We're not like in our 50s. Even if yeah, you yeah. are a listener in your 50s, hi, hello, we love you. Um, <laughs> I know it's it, what's so funny is uh, that's kind of the nugget that was dropped here. Is just kind of watching it is Space Ghost was a Cartoon Network show originally, but I think most people attribute it to Adult Swim because yeah. Adult Swim yes. started re-airing it. I think that's when I got into it I, because uh, it ran till 1999. I, th- I could see myself like 99, the, the end, the end kind of era is probably when I kind of came in, but I didn't know it was running that long. I'm actually really surprised because to, to me, well, technically it kind of was, I always felt Cartoon Network was around my whole life. I didn't realize it started it kind of not that long ago, you know, I'm older than Cartoon Network. And I, if you would have asked me that before this episode, I would have been like, no, this it's been around just like Nickelodeon, but no, uh, <laughs> no Cartoon Network was like, nah, we got this. I couldn't really, I didn't really watch it till the aughts. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I watched DBZ until like 2000 or something. No. Like I don't, because I was watching like Rugrats and stuff. Like I was still too young, I think, to watch some of the stuff on this well, also told- depends on when you got cable. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, it's it's also very interesting too how you had it challenge the medium because you know we we never really in, talked about how our, our kind of relationship with Cartoon Network, but I definitely know that Cartoon Network always had a different voice uh, to me than Nickelodeon for the longest. And Nickelodeon, I was really watching just their live action shows. I wasn't really messing with their cartoons like your Alex Mack, your all that. Like that's what I was really getting from Nickelodeon. And then Cartoon Network was where I wanted the cartoons like Dexter's Lab and Powerpuff Girls. And it really, they kind of had, they were kind of the, for lack of a better word, the edgier of the cartoon giants. But then uh, I think there's somewhere along the line, Nickelodeon and kind of figured it out and that's when you had them making things like uh adventure time which uh, uh that that's a nickelodeon that's cartoon show. network no, that's no. cartoon network okay what which one is the there's one that's very similar what am i thinking of let me see you know what's interesting is that nickelodeon produced the pilot for adventure time that's and then decided yeah. not to keep it and yeah then cartoon network bought it and they did it and it yeah. blew up they, uh, they I, I will say, as I'm friends with a lot of uh, animators, and uh, Nickelodeon's taken a lot of L's like that. Uh, Loud House is is definitely like a a show that definitely has a uh, a, a Cartoon uh-huh. Network yeah. vibe, even almost style. Uh, you know, uh, a Zim, which I would have totally believed was a uh, if you would have told me it was I it, it, that was a Nickelodeon show, um, but like. Their shows that I kind of definitely was like, that's a Nick show is like a fairly odd parent where it's still yes. like trying to le- like really leaning on the family wholesomeness and all this where Cartoon Network's kind of like it almost in the voice. It almost feels like it's our voice, even though, you know, we know it's adults doing it, but they're like, we, you know, they we're going to do some wild things, you know, it's it, it was, yeah. 
to me on the on the spectrum you have disney on the right you oh, have no. this isn't political i'm just saying you have disney yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the right you have nick in the middle and you have yeah. cartoon network on yes the other side. i would totally like agree with it, that from being weird and allowing so invader zim is another one where they took an l because they canceled it yeah they wouldn't let him do what he i think we covered that in our nicktoons yeah. but he was like if you're not going to let me do and and brilliant very funny show if you're mm -hmm. not going to let me make my show the way i want that i'm just not going to give you my show at all yeah and He's, so yeah yeah especially you know it's because you know we the, the, like like zim was already kind of pushing that edge of what a nick show can do and and i think that's 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 they're like no we got to but also it's funny knowing that this is also the same company that did things like rocco's modern life and ren and yeah. stimpy and then somewhere they just took a full 180 and just like we're not gonna do that type of weird stuff anymore i think um, until we got to see and i think this is maybe possibly taking from the early Ren and Stimpy slash how successful um, Cartoon Network was, was SpongeBob. SpongeBob br yeah. brought back that intense, close animated shots that are really disgusting mm -hmm. and like being weird and gross and having bad breath and boogers and all of that. Um, so, but you're right. There, you, do you definitely see more of that on Cartoon Network, which is kind yeah. of funny because it's like, that's kids humor. Like they're gross yeah. and they're weird and they find like dead animals and stuff. And, um, so, so let's hop into our, the big ones that we grew up with yeah. in, in 1995, we had what a cartoon, mm -hmm. um, which feels so old. That sounds so yeah. old coming out of my mouth, but it was essentially, <laughs> it was essentially for, um, it gave a lot of artistic freedom for animators and creators. It was shorts, actually. It was a, a segment of shorts that would be featured on Cartoon Network to kind of gauge how good they did and if they could be shows on their own. Yeah. So that's where we had Dexter's Laboratory. We had mm -hmm. Powerpuff Girls. We had Johnny Bravo. We had Courage the Cowardly Dog. These all were shorts. They actually, if you have to send this to you, had an early version of Family Guy. Oh, really? Not even kidding. It's a bald Peter who's older. It's voiced by um, Seth MacFarlane. And he's like picking up a dog at the pound who's Brian. It's insane. Wow. Yeah, so that's... apparently they passed on that, which also like isn't entirely their brand. Um, yeah, definitely feels more like where it landed, Fox and The Simpsons and whatnot. But yeah, um, no, can can't even can't even believe you know it would be like what a different show that would have been if it was on Cartoon Network. You know, like <laughs> like like it would it it just would be a whole different whole different beast. I was about to say. Um, Quagmire. I was like, we definitely don't need Quagmire on Cartoon Network, but then we have Johnny Bravo, so I'm yeah. just going to shut up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Seth actually worked on Johnny Bravo, I believe. Okay. In well, the Seth, ninety, so it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> makes a lot of sense. But Jeff, out of those like ones that I named, were there ones that were like that you really latched onto? We also ended up having after that Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and you know, um, my big one was I loved Johnny Bravo. I loved Powerpuff. Uh, my big one was Dexter. I'm actually wearing a Dexter shirt right Ooh, now. Um, like that was the show that the one show I kind of would like really make sure to like jump over to Cartoon Network to watch because I was watching a lot of Keenan and Kale and other mm -hmm. stuff on Nickelodeon. 
Um, and I remember like Dexter used to premiere at like seven o'clock on Fridays. Yeah. And I remember like watching it with my dad. There's like a musical episode where they kind of, it's kind of Michael Jackson inspired. Yeah. Um, but like, that was my show because it, I don't know, this, the humor really like stood up to me and I watched it on HBO Max recently and I was like, oh, this is still very funny, you know, like oh, yeah. very simplistic of like, this is Dexter, he's making something, his sister breaks it, rinse, repeat, you know, over and over, but it's still like super interesting and funny. Yeah, I think that's what made Dexter such a hit was the layers to it because you had the layer of like, he's this mad scientist making things, but you had that like very simple, easy to understand kid level thing of always feeling like your siblings are getting in the way and messing your stuff up. Mm -hmm. I remember I used to love like that relationship because Didi reminded me of my sister where it's like, yeah, you always mess my stuff up, you know, (laughs) when you break my stuff. And and it was just fun to see him just, uh, you know, just try these new things and they just always push the boundaries of like what his tricks would do. And uh, it it was a solid opening for Cartoon Network because I was definitely watching that. I love Johnny Bravo. That was like the first person character I tried to like impersonate with the voice. Like I was so sure I did a good Johnny Bravo. (laughs) Like I told all my friends and all I would say is Johnny Bravo here. (laughs) That's all I would say. But I was like, I sound just like uh yeah that was it was perfect though yeah <laughs> <laughs> whoa was johnny bravo in here <laughs> yeah um for me it was my girls the powerpuff powerpuff oh, yeah. girls mojo jojo i mean like i was just him which mm-hmm. i saw someone cosplaying as um i just loved the concept of this show also combined kind of like that anime style for those of us that were you know um getting into anime at the time. And um, I think also just having these three girls that were so different, um, I definitely definitely felt like I was buttercup. Like I'm, if he knows this about me, I'm very type A. So I was like, mm-hmm. she's the leader, she's the type A. She's like, you know, um, they also had different monsters every week. Like that to me is really, even just looking from an animated standpoint, um, I just, I loved all the colors. Like I just, it was such a, for me, it just embodied who I was at that time in yeah. elementary school to middle school. And so that was like one of my favorite and just seeing girls beat up people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was and, great. And it, yeah. It was a solid show. And this was a uh, Craig McCracken who, mm-hmm. uh, who like before that worked on two stupid dogs, space Ghost coast to coast. Uh, he had an appearance as himself. Uh, you know, he did, he was on, you know, what a cartoon, obviously on Dexter's lab. So he, he was kind of like, you know, one of, one of cartoon networks guys. And uh, he went on to EP regular show, uh, writer, storyboard artist for chowder, uh, and, uh, and his next kind of big thing after that, which I remember being great was Foster's home for imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Craig, you know, definitely one of those folks who, who was knocking it out of the park. I was, I was you know, he also EP the pilot of a regular show as well. So mm-hmm. I was in the so, Kraken. So that was 1995 and we had all of those Dexter and Powerpuff girls and whatnot, and in 1997, Iffy, oh. 1997, oh. we had a spaceship, mm-hmm. we had a robot named Tom, mm-hmm. and we had five hours mm-hmm. of anime programming. 
Mm-hmm. I don't even want to go. I don't even want to go too long into this because this is going to have to be its whole, whole own episode. <laughs> You're right. Tunami, this will be its own episode. Toonami uh, launched, and that was that. That is pretty much. I think that brought the 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 everyone to to Cartoon Network. Like it, like it was through the power of weebiness that we had everyone there <laughs> because. That's how that's how I kind of caught on to some shows that maybe weren't on my radar was you get to Toonami a little earlier and you're like, oh, what's this thing going on? Like if you were paired as the the opener for Toonami, you're in for some good traffic because you definitely you didn't because Toonami was such an event that even the interstitial stuff you wanted to see, like all the like back and forth with Tom and seeing what mm-hmm. he has to say. So you were there early. So you, so if you were if you were a a pre Toonami show, you definitely had eyes on you. We had, so Jeff, I don't know what you, um, I know everyone knows what my favorite thing in Toonami is, but we had Sailor Moon, DBZ, mm-hmm. Voltron, Reboot, also ended up having Gundam Wing, I'm sure, for uh, Tenchi Muyo later. Um, was there a specific anime that you were tuning into for Toonami? Um, what's Toonami? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I loved Reboot. Reboot was my big show. That was the first one I really got into. But I think we all know where this is going, and it's Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I my I have an interesting thing with Dragon Ball Z where my friend was trying to get me to watch it forever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have no interest. And the episode I finally watched is, in hindsight, probably the least interesting episode of the series. It's when they're on the way to Namek and they run into that ship. Krillin and Bulma and Gohan. And Is this when like she's a, in her panties? No, it's not okay. that one because that would be <laughs> hilarious. Uh, <laughs> um, they run it. Well, they run into the ship of like, it's like little boys. It's kind of like a Robin or not Robin, like a Peter Pan situation in space. Yeah. And I think they're trying to like take, uh, you know, sea fighter teams uh, ship. And I was just enamored because I had never seen anything like it, you know? And, Literally, did I, I didn't even know who Gohan was or who Goku was. My first introduction to the show is Gohan and Krillin. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't seen that episode, if I'd be like some giant nerd who doesn't know about Dragon Ball Z, and that would be sacrilegious. Ooh, yeah. I mean, well, one thing I want to go back and correct, which I totally did forget about, was uh, we we saw Tom in 1999. When it launched in 1997, we had Space Ghost villain Moltar oh, uh, running yes. the ship. It was him That's first, right. you know, pulling on the on the ones and twos to drop these uh, these these little these cartoons for us. And I do I do remember that. But yeah. it's so it was such a small piece of time because Tom is Tom right. is you don't think of Toonami without thinking Tom, but we doubt, I do want to put a little respect on Moltar for pulling them, them, <laughs> them levers to get us these animes right, uh, <laughs> right up top, you know, cause it, it was, it was good. Uh, it, yeah. It, I didn't join. And I think until Tom was there. Yeah. yeah because it, when like nine, nine, seven, it launched with Thundercats uh, cartoon uh, roulette, which had like different old school cartoons mixed in Voltron and Johnny quest. So, and then the next year is when it went uh, full anime. So the first year was a wash. I probably didn't even watch that. I did not. The first year, the second year, 1998 is 10 years. We are 10 years old at this point, Danny, is when we jumped over and we had Robotech, Beast Wars, Transformers, Sailor Moon, 
Dragon Ball Z and Super Friends. And that is that. Now that is a lineup. That is an unbeatable lineup. And then 1999, we add in Reboot, Ronin Wars, and Powerpuff Girls. And then 2000, one of the most I feel like slept on, because I just, for some reason, this anime is just the design, the idea of it was always tight. G-Force, Guardians of Space, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, Batman Animated Series, Tenchi Muyo, Tenchi Universe, Tenchi in Tokyo, Blue Submarine well, number Tenchi six. was taken over. Yeah, Tenchi, this, was, so this, this was the era where there was way too many Tenchi shows. I remember this. I was like, why are there, why are there so many Tenchi shows? Because like one was like an actual like an actual like samurai anime, and then there was one that it felt like it was all about the girls being horny for him. Like uh, I, I don't know which one, but it was wild. Um, <laughs> which one did you like more, Izzy? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well i don't you know i think everyone knows everyone knows but it's so funny because looking at these lineups i remember getting them all and it's so funny because we talk about this a ton of times with dragon ball z the the ever looping never being able to finish it because in 2001 is when they showed dragon ball after they ran dragon ball z so they showed dragon ball after dragon ball z but this i think Damn, I think this is the one. This is this is the year. 2001, you had Outlaw Star, Big O, Card Captor Sakura, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, the 8th MS Team, and War in the Pocket, Zoids, Batman Beyond, and Dragon Ball. That, that might be one of the, the hardest years. I, I like we might have to do a poll and see which one everyone like if only the show's listed what's the year you're taking because this really does feel like one of those house memes um <laughs> because the, the it's it's great and it's truly whew, sorry i, I might we got to keep going because i'll get lost in toonami that was an era that is the foundations of i would say the foundations of the career i sit on right now you yeah know, same uh that gave so, me my nerd cred i feel yeah, like it's it's so all that anime yeah, I, I I I push everyone to go through and look at those lineups because it was like I was going back into my couch every time I was reading these names because some you're even forgetting you're like oh yeah I was watching that on Toonami oh whew, I love I love being a nerd. We okay. have to take a really quick break, but then next up mm. we got when he was talking about how a lot of adults watching these cartoons. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Adult Swim right after this. Yeah. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. So we're hopping forward a little bit uh, to 2001. Sundays at 10 p.m. We have Adult Swim. Now, if y'all remember um, the commercials for this, do you remember it was like a bunch of elderly people mm-hmm, like hopping yep. into the pool yep. and whatnot? Mm-hmm. So this was mature content for older audiences. Which if you're a kid, there's no way you're turning the channel. There's right? no <laughs> way. They knew what they were doing. No way you're turning the channel if you if you it was the perfect marketing because you're gonna sit there a bunch of kids and be like all right y'all gotta turn now because this is about to be for the adults and you are like the hell i am uh they they had reruns anime more anime that we couldn't technically watch on toonami uh a lot of sketch comedy and it kind of created its own brand, which still holds up today. Like I think Adult Swim is considered, you know, when I think of the Adult Swim uh, exhibit at Comic-Con every year, it's like kind of, although it's a part of Cartoon Network, it has, it definitely is its own brand and own style. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jeff, so do you remember like some of the original thing? Were you watching Adult Swim at this time at 2001? Were you allowed to? Were you oh, still yeah. watching it? I was the mature age of 11 and I was ready to watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah. Uh, I think Family Guy, might, no, Family Guy wasn't there yet, but I know I was watching Aqua Teens. Um, geez, I think Baby Blues was on <laughs> the first season. Uh, a lot of You know weird what, do they shows. have home movies? Home movies for home sure. Home movies. Yep. We thought that was so gross and weird. My brothers and I would watch that. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was very off-put by the style of home movies because I was so used to like, yeah. oh, so this is, is this a cartoon? What, what that, is this? Squiggle Vision. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Katz coming at oh, you. I appreciate Dr. it. Dr. Katz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you're, my, the one thing that always stands out to me about home movies is, um, I forgot the little scruffy kid's name but he was like yeah my mom says i have cradle cap and he yes. like opens up do you remember that scene <laughs> yes. every kid people at home are listening to this like i remember that he opens up his like hair and you can see it like on his scalp yes it's uh, they, like, jason drew it i in. think is his name and yeah. um that is what stands out for me about home movies <laughs> yeah i know yeah they i i, I Adult Swim is interesting, and this is another thing that would probably get its own episode. But because it was interesting seeing Adult Swim fall into its voice, because it really definitely, even from the beginning, you could tell they had they slowly started like having those bumps where they would say little snarky things, and then they just went to the all black, and I was like, oh, oh, what was this all about? And then they're just having a combo with the audience leading into things, and it was almost like. 
in a weird way, they they just kind of took the tsunami formula and they're like, oh, we're just we'll just kind of like between bumps talk to the audience before we jump into stuff, but make it more adult snark humor. And mm-hmm. they and it seems like they really knocked it out the park because people really just was vibing with it and then they started adding like flying lotus and it adds music in the back it was yeah adult swim really grew into it's it's always cool to see something find its voice and then like stick with it and it was and they they were holding it down you know you had uh, adult swim they were kind of they eventually slowly started taking the brunt of toonami up until uh you know toonami was running like up until like 2008 and then like then it was on adult swim and they had the anime block and mm-hmm. that and then in 2012 they brought toonami back uh so it's a and 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 they're going hard with this it's so funny because like i filled the big o too oh yeah the weird second series the like i i always had like like all the stuff they're showing on on to uh, on the new toonami i'm like oh yeah i'm watching it on your crunchy roll and all that stuff, because it's so funny that anime is so accessible now. I mean, there's still nothing like watching it for free. If your parents have cable or if you're underage and can't have a million uh, streaming apps, but it is like cool to see like just what is kind of blowing up. And it seems like the smart thing that uh, Toonami is still doing is really knocking out those like shonen anime that are popping because all these, you know, fire force, you know, you got My Hero, Demon Slayer, JoJo. Like, those are the ones everyone's talking about anyway. So the kids are still in on it. Kids are still in on the conversation. I think, too, just getting to see, because we know some of those voice actors, at least for the English dub. Yeah. So I think just getting to see them in the stylized Cartoon Network slash Toonami um, oh, yeah. commercials, which were always super famous. One of my favorites that I think everyone remembers from Toonami was when they were... Um, future trunks when they were advertising Mm. future Mm. trunks and it's him slashing through the screen. Um, And so even now with one punch man or dragon ball super, when they had it on there, I don't know if it's still on there replaying, although I wouldn't doubt it um, (laughs) is, is it's funny to get to have that, like um, those quick cuts of like a very popular tsunami, like the style of tsunami commercials that they would do to promote yeah. One thing I did want to bring up is in 2006, Cartoon Network actually had its first live action movie, which mm. was reanimated. Mm-hmm. It was very much in the style. I don't know if you saw this, um, if you're Jeff, but it was in the style of Who Framed Roger Rabbit ish, where it's yeah. like live action and the cartoons. Oh. It ended up turning into a show, uh, which was called Jimmy's Head Show. Oh, Out of Jimmy's Head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it it was kind of controversial because they started to go in that direction of having more, which we still see kind of on Adult Swim and stuff, yeah. is having humans. Yeah. And I think that was kind of upsetting for some people that were just like, no, this is cartoons only. Yeah. Um, but you even had that on Space Ghost. There would be human guests. Um, yeah, good point. But I think a lot of people were scared that this was going to turn into like what Nickelodeon is or Disney, yeah. which is half and half um i think a lot of people didn't want that to to happen yeah so i, I remember now now looking at it yeah i don't totally remember reanimated and out of jimmy's head yeah and those people were like oh it's a cartoon network it's like yeah but it's still cartoon adjacent in their defense and but you know and this is like well after uh 
2004 when they kind of rebranded and had their originals only thing going on. And that's when you had uh, Megas XLR, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, and Hi Hi, Puffy, Ami, Yumi, who I had the biggest crush on i was i was i was all in i was ready to go i was like take me to tokyo i'm about to go out there and meet them um it was i was deep in uh they were and it was in puffy amiyumi was this this japanese pop rock uh duo and they and they, it was that perfect uh that that style of where where they're like okay we kind of have the little street style but also we're like fun and they they were it's they were just like super super big uh and then they had a show and in the u.s that kind of uh really we were like okay who are these and then we kind of knew them as the the people who did the intro to teen titans and we're like okay well y'all did that we messing with you we messing (laughs) because that that intro did slap (laughs) i would be remiss slash also not wanting to get hate mail if we don't bring up samurai jack yes Mm Oh yeah. Uh, don't put some respect on Samurai Jack. Oh yeah. I think all of us watched it. I you know that animation mm-hmm. style, classic animation style, so recognizable. Oh yeah. Um also wanted to give a shout out to Billy and Mandy. A lot yes. of people rep Billy and Mandy. Yeah. Um but now Jeff we're kind of approaching your the current present day Cartoon Network. Um, which we have Craig of the Creek, which we said is, is nominated for an Emmy. Um, how do you feel? I mean, I feel like y'all have been groundbreaking, like literally groundbreaking at this channel, but also in animation. Do you feel like there is a lot of pressure on the show to, you know, I just, I'm curious, like as a creator and, and being groundbreaking, what that means as far as artistic freedom for Craig of the Creek? Uh, I mean, I don't, I think there's a lot of pressure in the sense of wanting to do things that need to be done and doing them correctly. You know, like, because we're following like Steven Universe and Clarence and a lot of other shows that we're able to like really inform and really, I I think help like uh, just, you know, show people like, that people are different and who people love are different or people's skin color is different. And, you know, like these are characters you can like and empathize with and see yourself in. And I know that's something that we really wanted to do on Craig just from day one. Um, I think we've done a fine job so far of just really like trying to make things as diverse as we can, but we're always pushing that envelope. We're always trying to make sure that like, people are addressing characters the way they should be. You know, if somebody is non-binary or addressing them by the proper uh, pronouns and stuff, because that stuff's super important. And it's super important to instill that into kids now. Like, you know, um, I think that the better we are at like really hitting those things and really showing that like, there's gonna be different types of people that you're gonna encounter and they are no less valid than anyone else. Everyone is in this together all these kids play harmoniously and all these kids appreciate each other and love each other. And that's something that so many people need to do. Um, so I, I guess there's a pressure in it, but I think it's the societal pressure that everyone has. I think that, you know, I'm not under any more pressure than you or if you're anyone else, it's just, we want to make sure that we have this platform and we're using it properly. And I think that's one of the ways we can do it. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of eyes on the show and I just want to make sure that we're getting the best message out that we can. 
Yeah, I think of when I think of uh, my friend Lalo, who does the Casa Grandes over on, which is a spinoff of Loud House, mm-hmm. um, this Chicano family. For me, it's just kind of, I think, pressure in like, if this doesn't do well, like when will we get this again? (laughs) You know, it's kind of like what we were talking about. Like we just don't get to really have a lot of animators and creators of color that are getting to as many risks. So I guess it is cool that it's at Cartoon Network because it does feel like a channel that has dived a hundred percent into risks. Like, and I think that is why a lot of these are so successful is because they let their creators take big swings. Um, And a lot of those pay off. But are there, um, speaking as the head writer, mm-hmm. when you're writing, are there shows that have influenced your style? Um, yeah, I mean, taking it back to something I brought up earlier was uh, Static Shock. That was a very important show to me for so many reasons as a kid, but also like they pushed the envelope a lot. And they did things about race and they did things about like gun violence and so many things that we're still dealing with today, which it seems kind of taboo to bring up in cartoons for kids now. Mm-hmm. And they were doing it, you know, 20 years ago. And I know that stuff really affected me and it helped me learn. And I think that when we get the opportunity to kind of teach kids that, that's something that we need to do. So um, there's, that's been a big influence for me also in the sense of like seeing a black lead. That wasn't a thing I saw a lot. It was always like, you're the sidekick, you're the Gerald, you're the nerd, you're the whatever, you know, like, and that was something really important to us when doing Craig is like, Craig is the lead and he's not just the nerd or the athlete or the, you know, what he's just a kid and everybody can just be a kid. You don't have to have all these like, you know, different pressures on you. So that's, um, for us, that's like the big thing that we're thinking of. That's the big thing that I'm always thinking of going into these stories. It's just how can we make sure that like, this show needs to speak to everyone. And yes, it needs to speak to black people. And yes, it does, I think. And we should feel represented. But it also needs to speak to everyone. So they know that, you know, we're, we're all just people, you know? Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. I feel that. Ooh, I have a couple more questions unless you have some questions, Ify. No, no. You can go ask away. Well, as far as creators breaking into this space there's no one way to do it i know we all have like stumbled into not stumbled but like have different avenues that we have created for ourselves in order to get to where we are is there any advice that you give to young creators that are like listening i feel like we have a lot of people that are trying to come up in the industry right now that listen to iffy and i's show i don't know if there's any advice that you could give them oh man um even just it's, basic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's tough because like you said, there's so many different ways. I think, um, you know, the basic answer is always like practice and write and practice your craft. And I think that's important, but a lot of it is experiences, you know, like a lot of times your experiences reflect your writing or reflect your art style. And it's very easy to, fall into a rut. I know for me, especially when working on stories, it's very easy to like come to it from, I have this background and this is how I'd approach it. And sometimes you need those different experiences to fully realize things. You have to be open. You have to talk to people. You can't just assume that like, hey, I'm going to write this story and uh, there's going to be this Samoan character. I know nothing about Samoan people. (laughs) So like put in the work and learn the experiences and try to reflect that in your story. But also like 
don't feel like you can't be yourself in what you're working on too. Like you really need to infuse yourself because that's what you're selling. You're selling your experience as well as what you think other experiences are from your own, like, you know, going out there and learning and experiencing different people's lives. I think also for me, and I'm sure you feel this way too, if he is like not getting pigeonholed, like, so as a writer, you know, the show that I sold was about my trauma and like experience in the mental health care system, but I don't want to just be the trauma comedy writer. Right. I realized that a lot of people were hitting me up to like, you know, this is about mental health and this show is about mental health. And I'm like, that's great. I kind of just want to write a superhero show, <laughs> you know, I kind of just, so the next thing that I'm doing right now is an animated property that like doesn't deal with hate crimes and doesn't deal with like, you know, it's kind of just like not, not saying that you can't do both that's what Mm -hmm. i'm saying is like don't it's kind of like what you were saying like know know like your voice but also know that that's not the only story that you can tell and so i was just kind of tired of being the expert in drama i'm like but i also want to have joy and i want to Mm -hmm. see our characters having joy and being carefree and like just getting to go to an amusement park for the day or something and not have to worry about their parents being deported and it's just like so so I, I would encourage people to um, find their voice, but also what are shows that bring you joy yes. and, and watch those. And what I'm doing for my animated property is I had to sit down and watch what is out now. You know, it's not the same as when I, when I was younger watching. I have a great animated background, but what are kids watching right now? So I'm not pitching something that's already out there. Um, and just so I can know some of these conversations, like you were saying, the conversations they have on Craig of the Creek and on Steven Universe are way different than what they were allowed to have a decade or two ago mm-hmm. at, on some of these these shows. So things have elevated and um, our characters are even allowed to be even more fleshed out. Uh, and And so I would encourage anyone trying to jump into animation to watch a lot of what is out right now. We did it. We did it. We, <laughs> we did, did not it. talk about every show. I'm sorry. We will do a yeah, part ne- two. I promise. We we never can talk about every show, and that's why we have episodes about shows. So this is about the journey to where what we've gotten uh, from from uh, Cartoon Network. And if you have a show that you like, oh, I want to hear y'all talk about this. All I gotta do is gently tweet us, and we'll put it on gently. the roster. <laughs> Jeff, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter and on Instagram if you want to see drawings of me done by more talented people <laughs> at Mr. Jeff Trammell, uh, two M's, two L's. And I will also tweet about our show, our Emmy nominated show, until you win and where you can watch it. Ooh, all right. Uh, and me, you know, I'm always if you wide away, Twitter, Instagram, if D's on Twitch, the salt squad grows every, you know, uh, y'all have been there. You know, Jeff's been playing. If y'all if y'all think y'all can beat Jeff at Dragon Ball Fighter Z, pull up. I'm gonna let you know right now, you probably can't. I know you I oh, know really? you good. Jeff is nice. Jeff is so nice that we had some dude come in from the chat and he was like, Oh, is there a skill limit? And I was like, No, this boy came and watched us. And then he got Jeff once and then he was talking about how he'd be training and all this stuff. And then Jeff came back and beat him. So uh so so it's it, Jeff is nice with it. Uh <laughs> so so come 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 with the heat. We're gonna we're gonna get back to it. Everyone's been 
di- have him dying uh, to have me do it again. And Zeno, uh, voice of Hawks, said he wants in next time. So it'll be fun. You'll get to get uh, washed by by the creator of Craig's Creek and possibly the voice of Hawks. <laughs> but, you know, if you need to feel good, your boy out here, me, I'm still learning. Don't worry, I'm going I'm to I'm get one of these Fiverr classes going. And then one day I'm just going to come back like a big boy. And Jeff ain't going to know what hit him. Uh, that's that's my new that's my new limit right now. <laughs> Danny, where, um, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> I am at Ms. Danny Fernandez on all the things, and also Ify and I um, both were on a show called The Great Debate, yes. which came out this week. So yes. check it out. It's on Sci-Fi. It's a bunch of nerds and comedians arguing about comedy nerd things. It's very funny. So I saw some people in the comments like, oh, you know, but I'm like, this is not a straight statistical, like, you know, in this season of Batman, he blah, blah, blah. It's, it's nerdy comedy people being nerdy comedy people. So it's very entertaining and watch it. It's on sci-fi. Check yeah. it out. Drop in every week for the next month. Let's do it. All right. Uh, well, uh, I guess that's all. So uh, I guess we'll end it the way we normally end this and say, uh, stay, stay nerdy. nerdy. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.